to see for yourselves one of the most amazing events. When is this great experiment for me? Impervious to heat, impossible to move. Is it human or inhuman? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It's time for the Beaky Drummy Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Hello, and welcome to the Geeky Brummy Show. Joining me today, Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello, Ryan. Mr. Guy Halford. Yeah, Ryan. And that's it. Just the three of us today. Les Tresamigos. Lee's not feeling too well. And the others have all got other plans. Shocking behaviour. What's on the TV, Guy? Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. I was at work the other day, somebody had the radio on. And uh, there's an advert that plays this song, so it's just like, someone's knocking at the door, somebody's ringing the bell, it's probably that dick from X Factor, Daniel Johnson. It always gets me, they, they seem to swap presenters every single advert, but the adverts are all exactly the same, they which are. is some gormless person from like Norfolk holding a cheque for 10 grand. <laughs> <Norfolk>. <laughs> it's always somebody like that, isn't it? Anyway, Keith, what have you been up to this week? What have I been up to this week? Um... Bit of this, bit of that, bit of the other. Um, so yeah, no, nothing too exciting. I feel really... Um, We've not had a bus life update for a while. Uh, Do you want to give us a bus life update? He's a man, he's on the bus, he's going nowhere. I, We're on a road to nowhere, on the bus. What I can categorically state is trains are nicer than buses. Based on trains, just buses, but they go only one fixed route. Yeah, but they usually turn up on time. And are mm. more comfortable and <laughs> are quicker. Guys disagreeing. More comfortable, yes. Quicker, debatable. Not, not more comfortable. On time, no. <laughs> not if you go in the morning and you're like literally got someone's arse in your face and someone's backpack like resting in your hip. That, that's, the, that's rush hour though, isn't it? That's the same everywhere. It's every A bus is jammed, trains are jammed. It's because we're still in this bizarre pre-industrial idea that everybody has to move everywhere between uh, like 8 o'clock and 9.30 um, sorry, really sorry about the scraping noise I need a mother corner yeah might have been a good one what's a flavour choice blackberry and raspberry so no good blackberry and raspberry it's like what is it um, yeah so I just got off, I got a, tra- a couple of trains this week actually which is quite, is quite nice makes a change um, but I haven't done anything too exciting really I went to see Lego Movie 2 and did you feel like your time was wasted like I did no I really liked it <laughs> but, I haven't seen it so I'll let you two carry yeah well you know obviously nobody died in it it wasn't neon lit beyond all uh, kind of within an inch of its life and it made sense and it wasn't just some kind of like auteur's idea of like let's throw and there wasn't anybody naked in it so I imagine Guy didn't minus several million points for no, no nakedness in it I'm not a wasn't wasn't directed by Gaspar Noé. <laughs> Could you imagine Gaspar Noé's Lego movie? It'd just be Lego parts everywhere, wouldn't it? Yeah, and Lego parts being butted up against Lego parts that shouldn't be butted up to each other. Uh, I, you know, I thought it was alright. I thought it ca- carried on the kind of, you know, what, what the first one was doing. Guy's just sitting there as like... He's like... Guy's you know sitting there reminds me of right away, now? squeaking away. He reminds me of Orson Welles in his latter years when he was advertising booze on the ITV. He looks like Captain Lorca, actually. 
<laughs> now he's gone. Hopefully, he won't be assaulted by a spider while he's upstairs. <laughs> we can't afford the insurance <laughs> no. for that. Where's he gone? He's gone upstairs. Show, show wait, describe wait. the room. Now the shadow is coming down the stairs. He's putting his lounge coat on. He's put, his kimono. He's turned into Ehrlich Bachman. Get things a little bit more comfy, shall we? Silicon Valley reference for anybody there. He is Ehrlich Bachman now. Got the long hair. Having his yogurt. Did you did you find a narrow enough spoon for your yogurt? What's a narrow spoon? We don't watch Silicon Valley. Yeah, I don't remember that joke. He was uh, five minutes where he was complaining that somebody had used all the narrow spoons and he had to try and use a wide spoon for his yogurt. Well, the spoon I've got is a good size. It's a, um, <laughs> it's a, what is it? It's a teaspoon, right? I think that's enough for your. You don't want a tablespoon for a yogurt because, like, you're going to be taking too much of a gulp with it. That's not a teaspoon. That's a teaspoon. That's not a teaspoon. That's that's midway between a teaspoon and a dessert spoon. Yeah. That's not a teaspoon. Teaspoons are much smaller. So if that's a dessert spoon, I've got the right thing then. It's not a dessert, dessert spoon. It's not either. a dessert spoon email. That's some kind of random spoon that... It's it's, like, it's a mutant spoon. Yeah. It's not very good. Oh, and the other thing I've been doing is adding loads of things to my Netflix list and trying to avoid spoilers online. Because I've got a few shows have started recently that I what want to What have you added to your Netflix list? I've definitely added the Umbrella Academy. Everybody's um, raving about that one. But I'm kind of looking forward to it. Well, I, I like the comic series, so um, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that. But I can't binge it, so it's going to take me three or four weeks to watch it. I say it's one of those shows that's going to be instantly spoiled as soon as you go anywhere mm-hmm. on the internet. Into it. There's a monkey in it. This is correct. There's also a robot. When's Doom Patrol coming as well? I don't know when we'll get it in the UK, because it started on the DC Universe in America. Um, but it's uncertain whether we're going to get it on Netflix in this country. Yeah, well, recent news is Jessica Jones and The Punisher have just been cancelled on Netflix as well. (laughs) Really? That is the last of the Netflix shows that are on there. And I think Marvel TV, now under Jeff Loeb, has signed a deal with Hulu. So expect those to be revived on Hulu within a few weeks. Well, he actually posted a letter on the Marvel website today um, to go over the whole idea. So he talks about doing... Uh, the shows, thanking the audiences. Uh, and he ends that letter with uh, the words, our network partner may have decided they no longer want to continue telling tales of these great characters, but you know Marvel better than that. As Matthew Murdoch's dad once said, the measure of a man is not how he gets knocked down, but how he gets back up to be continued. But Netflix have been blaming this all on Disney because they only got a certain amount of series licensed by Netflix by Disney to run so they'll have to fit the entire Defender storyline into those series and I think it's basically Disney probably went for this many mega books for the next lot of series and Netflix went nah so do we've got our own stuff to do I'd like to point out like the measure of a man should be the life story title of my friend Sam <laughs> it's like a Tobias Funke novel that is the measure of a man anyway yes so yeah, I think it's been bad blood on both halves by the sound of it. No, we got bad blood. I feel like let's get that little reference. Yeah, that's 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 a yeah, that's a song. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was a it was a grand experiment um, to see how yeah. a different type of Marvel show would work on a different network, and it kind of goes to show that they can do it on ABC, they can do it on Hulu, they can yeah. do it on Netflix. So I think their biggest mistake was trying to tie it into the MCU originally with Daredevil season one. It just didn't really work. Um, no, 
But it could do. It could do. Continuing the fact that they are are still part of the same universe doesn't necessarily mean mean you have to have everything happening in every show because all the comics exist in the same universe, and not it's not every week that everybody bumps into the Fantastic Four. So it could still happen mm-hmm. given the scale of the shows. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see where they go next. Cool. Guy, what have you been up to? <sighs> I've been here for a couple of weeks. Um... <laughs> Do you want to explain why you haven't been here? Has there been a letter from the? Uh, I read a letter from the hospital. Right, no, this is this is this is crap. Right, so the ongoing saga about my injured foot continues. However, the Joker who I last saw at the hospital thought it was kind enough to write that um, Mr. Halford injured his ankle while jumping out of bed to escape a spider. That's not what happened. We all know I was trying to be courageous and remove a spider from the bedroom who didn't clearly want to be in there. Not running away from it, and then I slipped off the bed. However, I've been, I've been falsely quoted. Fake news. I did not try and escape a spider. What was that film with Bruce Willis where somebody pretended to... Accidental hero. It wasn't Bruce Willis. It was... Um, what's his face? Al no. Pacino, was it? Um, Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia. But to Guy, we've got either a, a doctor, a qualified doctor, writing down the events that happened, or <laughs> you telling us what happened I think I'd side with the doctor in this instance uh, I think I would you know he's qualified yeah qualified he obviously examined you saw the result of the uh, injuries clearly sustained whilst trying to escape a spider <laughs> are you saying you are the Dustin Hoffman in this role that you you perform the actual act of bravery and then the doctor has like got you confused and tried to sweep in and give you none of the glory I mean clearly he needs his medical licence taken off him I mean, I'd like to see the spider's side of the story, really, to corroborate what happened here. I mean, that spider's lucky he didn't get crushed when I fell on the floor. Did you do everything you could to turn away to make save him, did you? I held that cup tight with that card under it. I, I solved that problem. Someone's knocking at the door. Someone's, Someone's ringing the bell. <laughs> but, you know, given the injury sustained... Yes. It, you know, given the choice of... It was sustained... After successfully saving a spider, and I slipped off the bed. Well, we we don't or, know if the spider himself wanted to be rescued. Is it going to be a case for injury spiders for you? Well, hang on a minute. He was an intruder in my house. We what, what we've got to remember is, guy's got form here for kind of liberating animals that may or may not require his assistance. <laughs> Pinching pigeon pigeons. I'm a pigeon in a cardboard yeah. box. I'm a pigeon in a box. So I mean, are there some serious kind of uh, you know investigations to be done? False here? liberation. Yeah. Right. I've been mugged off by him, but alright, I um, I got the train yesterday to go and see Happy Death Day to you too, which I actually really enjoyed. Good film. Was that an actual sequel then? Yeah, it's a good. The first one, I sort of watched it as a joke, and it ended up being not too bad. The sequel, it's alright. There, it's an interesting little series of films. They're actually not as bad uh, as you think they are I just have a worry it's going to turn into like the next paranormal activity no 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 it's, 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 like, it's like a comedy horror but this one was more like a comedy sci-fi so it's kind of like going down it, it's worth, they're worth a try I think they're a little bit it presents itself as a slasher and the first one is a bit but it, it's comedy and the sci-fi and is it like a new version of Scream basically no it's just it's just like a little bit it's interesting what they're doing I quite like it um it's a Groundhog Day with slasher elements and sci-fi elements and comedy elements. 
Russian Doll, is that on your Netflix list? That's on my Netflix list. That looks pretty good. Isn't that Groundhog that. Day, but with horror elements as well? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Anyway, moving swift on. So, right, what train journey. Explain the train journey. So I got on the train, and I was about to sit on some seats. It was just a pair of trousers. Seats. Yeah, I thought I'd take two. You know, okay. it's, a quite, it's quite a down track. But there's just a pair of trousers, just casually laid out on the train seat draped. with draped on the train seat with a belt attached still and then we just and I got on the train the same carriage it was me some guy and his girlfriend and there was kind of this like shared kind of like hmm that's unusual we all took pictures of it obviously because it needed to be shared but it was just this quite immaculate pair of trousers jeans just lying on the seat for no reason I mean like what, what brand of jeans? I didn't go that close, Ron. For obvious reasons, I felt the jeans had probably been left there because someone probably had soiled themselves. But then I thought about it afterwards, and I thought, I didn't smell duty when I was on the train, so... No more than you usually do on the train, anyway. So I didn't smell... I didn't smell poopoo. So... <laughs> I don't think they were soiled jeans. Also... Did the, if they were sword jeans, did the person just literally strip out of them and just leave them on the seat and walk off the train in the boxes? Like, there's a lot of mysteries here. If they wet themselves, I still would have smelt urine in the back of my throat. I would have tasted that. Not because someone was doing it to me, but... <laughs> you, you, like, with a straw on these jeans. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just checking for evidence of uh, accidents. But they're just... Uh, they're just in a really... Odds. See, from the lighting on the photo, I'm thinking possible soilage there. Mm. Let's have a look at the, the picture on your but phone. Then, I've but, zoomed in on my picture. But on why the phone would you? How did you get out of the jeans? Nah, that's the belt. That was the belt. No, at the back, on on the cheek. No, they weren't. No, honestly, that was just a pair of black jeans. Because like that, that my bear in mind the camera well, phone is. They're rubbish. blue jeans. No, they were black. My camera phone's rubbish. They're black jeans. And they're folded over. So it's it's a it's a slightly weird position for them to be. Well, it almost is like somebody was in them and then wasn't. I think somebody got raptured on the yeah. train. Because there's no boots either. Which, no. Which is basically means somebody must have taken the jeans off, carefully placed them down, then put their shoes back on. There's a lot of consideration taken in how those jeans were placed back on the chair. It's like I mean, like it's really obscure. Like I don't understand how they. I'd love to know. I'd love to know what happened to them when I got off the train because obviously those jeans what carried happened, on their journey to Litchfield. What happened is that train got to New Street, then sixteen conductors came on to do a health a health risk assessment. <laughs> then the police were called to detonate the jeans. Then trains the... were delayed to Redditch for the rest of the day. It's a definite step up from the usual kind of like one shoe or a glove that you often find, <laughs> kind of like just d- just abandoned. People's on about started a Twitter account for a random piece of clothing found around Birmingham. I mean, I think that one cuts. That one's the the best one so far. A pair a pair of jeans strategically placed. Because they usually get shoes, don't you? Oh, there's always a shoe somewhere randomly. I see quite a few coats. Yeah. Do you feel like they're going to go into lost and found now? I'd assume they'd go into Lost in the bin, to be honest. Well, like, I love the fact that these jeans... I got on from where I live, which I'm not going to disclose where I live, but I, I live quite a fair distance from where that train ends up. So if that train is going from where I get on... Well, if the jeans... And they were definitely there before, so they must. this has happened before I've gotten on. So they've been already been on a journey there. Well, if know. they'd got on at Redditch... The, je- the jeans or the person... <laughs> 
the jeans just strolled on. Oh, I can imagine that. It's a pair of Levi's jeans with a personality. Just like, I'm just going to sit on this train. I ain't buying no ticket. Because they speak like Gary Coleman, obviously. Maybe it's one of like, those prank shows where like, they just lay something down as like obvious bait for somebody to like, mess with them. And then like, a camera will pop out. Maybe. But then those jeans are going all the way to Litchfield. So they've travelled from Redditch to Litchfield, I believe. This is for the this is they got on at Redditch, which I would assume so. Because <laughs> what if somebody on the journey had lost their trousers elsewhere? <laughs> was his name Donald? And a, and a friend had put a pair of jeans on the train for them to pick up halfway along <laughs> the journey. Be, they'll be in carriage three. Yeah, be quick. Carriage three, seat fifty-two. <laughs> So there's a man stood at a station with no trousers on, just his pants, waiting for a pair of pants, trousers. Yeah. Pants and shoes, because I didn't leave shoes, so it's got to be a pant-shoe combo. Oh, the bloke God. could have shoes on. Yeah. The bloke could be missing just his trousers. That's what I'm saying. It's only trousers that are missing yeah. in this situation. Only his trousers. That, that makes so sense. So it's either a man who is walking off the train with no trousers, <laughs> or a man getting onto the train with no trousers. I just, I'd, I'd love to understand more about it, how it happened, why it happened, and where did what happened to them next? Did someone phone up the the, the lost some property for National Rambler? I don't suppose um, someone's handed in uh, a pair of trousers today. Um, a pair of Primani jeans. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I could do with a new pair of jeans. I should have took them. Look like I'm getting fatter as well. They're a lot of fat man jeans. The other thing is, it does finally reveal the answer to that question: Donald, where's my trousers? Exactly. They're on the they're on the train between <laughs> Red Redditch and Litchfield. Do you think the ticket inspector would have checked the pockets just in case? <laughs> have you got a ticket? <laughs> Hang on, there's no ticket. You ain't got no ticket. I'm giving you a fine, twenty pounds. I'm gonna have more than the jeans. I'm gonna have to escort you off at the next station. Uh, <laughs> Well, like, I was telling my boss about it at work, and, like, like you was telling me about, like, people, like, is it skin crawlers or something like that? Some people who just, like, vanish and things like that. So, like, did someone just, like, vanish? Or, like, did they just, like, they just, like, lose their skin? Maybe it was an invisible person. You know, I feel like there's a world of conspiracy theories that we could go down with this, this mystery pair of I'm, men's I'm trousers. with Thanos. Yeah, perhaps we should post the picture to the Twitter stream. I believe we will. See what uh, stories people can come up with to yeah. explain why these trousers are there. <laughs> How do I end up in these situations? How do I always see the weird stuff on the show? Like, what you, you is are, with my life? You are the victim elder of this show. You, things just happen to you and you get enraged. It's, I mean, I'm not enraged about a pair of trousers, to be honest that, that, to me, is brilliant. But... Guy is one day going to wake up and there'll be a thousand gnomes in his garden, <laughs> and then guys just they're going, ow! I mean, it just happens to me, like, the guy who finds a bag of porn in his garden, the guy who sees a pair of random trousers kicking around on the train. The, bi- like, the guy who rescues a pigeon. Like, what is in my life, man? Or is injured while sleeping away from a spider. <laughs> That's a serious injury. <laughs> Ryan Parrish, what have you been doing this week? You're, you're, you're advertising glue on TV, Ryan. Gorilla glue. I think you'll find that is a friend of the show, Nate Crowley. <laughs> oh, no longer a friend of the show. Scandal. Nah, I, I always feel more orangutan than a than a gorilla. If I, if I was going to put myself in the monkey world, I would say I was an orangutan. Hmm. Well, you know, we got a company newsletter. Yeah. Come around. And there was a girl in the newsletter, and I really had to have a good hard look at it. That sounds dodgy. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> good hard look. She looked like... Are you going to accuse this girl of looking like an orangutan? 
She had very, very, very long arms. Like, to the point where, like, she was stood up. And, like, you know how, like, you stand up, you like, your arms probably dangled to about, like, well, waist? Are we talking Vic Reeves on MasterChef when he did the super freakingly long arms? I don't know who that is, but it sounds about... But her arms were, like, hanging by her knees. And I was like... How does that happen? Like, like her arms are just dragging them on the floor as she's walking along behind her, like, scraping them along. Like, she didn't really have, like, the longest arms. She was like Mr. Tickle. Keith, if you could choose any ape from the animal kingdom, which ape would, would you choose? Oh, man. Uh, I kind of... I, I see orangutans just because they're the same colouring as yeah. myself. Um, but... <laughs> Ooh, I'm a silverback gorilla. You know, obviously that would be the, <laughs> the know, dominant one. male. Yeah, yeah. Guy, what, what ape or monkey would you be? I don't. I, to be honest with you, the way I, the way I feel at the moment, I don't feel like a gorilla. I feel more like a beluga whale. So bonobo. No, I think he's got the he's got the look of a capuchin monkey. <laughs> really, he wouldn't take a lot of Photoshop yeah, to do they're, that. They're like cute. Bloody King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> what the ones with the red bottoms? Baboons. Yeah, are they baboons? Maybe, maybe a baboon. What, what have you been doing this week, Brian? Damn dirty Um, Been a quiet one, actually. Cool. Uh, what have I been doing? Been kept finding, finally onto the third season of Star Trek in my epic free watch of all the Star Trek shows. You used that in so your week great then, did you? Yes. Yeah. So, epic rewatch. I was off on holiday for a week. So had a bit of a break. I think we talked about this last time. It was Chinese New Year, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, so ate lots of Chinese food over the Chinese New Year period. When you say third season of Star Trek, are we talking original TOS, series? yes. Okay, so you're into the Spock's Brain series. A uh, past Spock's Brain. Okay. I think, what was the last one I watched? The Plato's Stepchildren. Ah, classics. Uh, yes. So it's been a long slog, this has. I, did, I forgot how bad some of the original Star Still Trek episodes were. talking about Star Trek, were. right? Yeah. I forgot how bad some of the original Star Trek episodes were. I think it's the same as any series, really. There's, it's yeah. mixed. I still think the original series ha- stands up mostly very well. Yeah, well, I've got Star Trek, the animated series, next. so I'm a bit oh, yeah. worried about that. Oh, no, that's great. That's <laughs> really good. I really enjoy that. But Plato's Stepchildren, it was the one that caused all the controversy in the United States. As it had <laughs> the first interracial kiss on telly. Strange to think that was the world 50 years ago. Uh, yeah, and it is really just so, you know... Today yeah. you just wouldn't blink yeah. or look twice. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. But that was pretty much it. Watching Star Trek and having a chill. And we had Valentine's Day. So I bought a bit of a nice curry. A nice? Curry. Right. I bought flowers, chocolates, some little pusheen figurines and a curry. You bought a cringeworthy card. Like, I'm not going to lie. You bought, like... So like, we bought cards at the same time. Bought one with a dog arm. You bought one with a musical thing yes. on there. Which what's what's the song that it plays, Ryan? How sweet it is to be loved by you. Oh, so the song from American Pilot, Chris Klein is singing to try and get with Mina Savari, yeah. But it's got pandas on the front, which makes sense. It's pandas at a drive-through. Still, cinema. it's still a musical card, though, man. This a musical card. What's wrong with a musical card? <laughs> what's right with a musical card? I thought it was a light-up card when I bought it, to be honest, because it looked like one of those that's going to have the flashing lights at the front. Then I pressed the button and then I went, eh. And he broke out into song. <laughs> yes. Lovely and embarrassing. Talking of embarrassment, 
Ryan embarrassed me, Keith, at work today. Now, I didn't realise... By I... shouting spider and <laughs> waiting for a guy to leap out of his chair, injuring his foot in the process. I did not realise my phone was on loud and my phone started ringing. And I'm sat next to my boss and Ryan Parrish popped up on the screen. Uh, I, I, I did the thing decline because I was still at work. So I thought, OK, he'd get the hint. I'm at work. Then the phone rings again one minute later. See, any normal person would have muted their phone. I declined it. I didn't have time to. He was that keen. The phone's ringing straight away. I declined it again. And then there was a third call, Ryan Parrish. Eventually, this time, I managed to get a message in like, I'm at work. You need to stop calling me. And uh, anyway, a message back from Ryan saying, oh, yeah, it was a pocket dial. (laughs) Then the first one was a pocket dial, and I left you one voicemail, which is me getting on the bus and sitting down for a minute. So you rang me once and left me a pocket dial, uh, did a pocket dial. Then he decided to ring twice to try and say sorry for the pocket dial. No, I didn't realise it was a pocket dial until after I'd rang you the third time, because I thought you'd rang me and it had auto-answered. And I was like trying to ring back to say, what did you actually want? Now the question I have now is, what is your ringtone? Well, I didn't know I had one until because I looked. It's not ringing. I looked at my boss, thinking like it was his phone. Doesn't ringing. everybody have phone. their phone just on vibrate nowadays? Yeah, I thought it was on vibrate. I don't know. I, I don't actually know my own ringtone because ring me, Ryan. I don't know what this is. I have, I have two. I have two ringtones. Most of the time, my phone is on silent, but I have two ringtones: one for everybody else, and then one for the family. <laughs> what? So one. So one so to if ignore. One so to if ignore harder. If a certain song comes up. I, I'll, answer, I'll answer it or I'm more likely to answer it I'm ringing your phone go ahead alright so apparently this is my ringtone yeah you should put yours on vibrate <laughs> like that came up in the office and like great although I'm a bit concerned Hello. that's what you call guy yeah, on your phone <laughs> it's a bit well, it's a bit guy outrageous Halford. isn't it <laughs> that, it doesn't say guy Halford it's, it's, it's sugar tits on it <laughs> It's the picture that's worrying me. Keith, I'm going to ring your phone. Is it probably going to come up with oh, I, I'll tell this, this gift? It's, it's, on, it's on vibrate. He doesn't deserve that. He does not deserve that. <laughs> so that's that's my ringtone. Do you want to ring my phone? Because I'm actually no idea what my ringtone is. Ryan asked me to call you earlier, let's, Keith. Let's and then we realised that sensibly you hadn't given me your phone number. <laughs> yes. I wonder why for that Okay. Techno remix. Techno remix of what? Perfectness. And that's the notification for when people want to get in touch with. See, I'll I'll see. I'll see if you can guess what my. uh, If I can find, I don't even know. I feel like we're scraping the content barrel now, lads. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Uh, so what have we covered off in the first 30 minutes of the show a pair of trousers <laughs> we're not that interested buses versus trains Star Trek the original series season 3 ringtones and types of apes yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't even know I, I, I think, think it's time to move along honestly this is like watching uh, a grandparent use a phone <laughs> suppose you start using the one finger technique Nine, nine, uh, nine. This, Hello, this Sandra. Is the, this is the family one. <coughs> so it's the flight of the Concords theme. Yeah. And then if I get an email, or if I get a text, it's this. 
it? You know when you have, your parents have a new phone and they go through every ringtone at least twice to decide which one they want? Mm-hmm. See, I've got, I've got these ones. This, this is what... Excuse me, there is a message for you. Keith, do you have the flight of Con- Jarvis? I have Jarvis, yeah. Do you have the flight of the Concord ringtone as your family ringtone to remind you of the amount of meals that you stripped your family of when you bought the Omnicles? <laughs> hey. <laughs> That'll pay for itself one day. Weird news. Ah, uh, weird news is made of clicks. Who am I to disagree? I search the webs and the message board for the stories that don't deserve clicking. <laughs> Right, to start us off from a Derbyshire Times to erect fallacies drawn on bus shelter near, yeah. near Chesterfield. <laughs> near Chesterfield. I've got everything I need from that. <laughs> I've seen the pictures. I'm not quite sure that they are what they say they are. I like the word erect has been used in that phrasing as well. It's like, no, that is clearly just a general thing. <laughs> And the next story is from Men's Health magazine. Erect flowers. <laughs> the next story. So is Twenty from, minutes later. The next story is from Men's Health magazine. Person discovers thousand-pound white tiger whilst trying to find a place to smoke for weed. Which is a fact they admitted on a major news channel. Yes. It was just some person found this tiger. You want, Shall we go with the? Tiger stories. Boner, boner. I'm trying to remember. Keith, I remember. I read. I read both of these stories, so it, it, it depends, depends on the byline. Vote. Let's do the erect fallacies on bus stop <laughs> first. <coughs> so, so this is from. So funny! I choked on it. Read the read the man's read the man's name that wrote it, this story. He is Michael Broomhead, and you can email. <laughs> But not not broomhead as one word. It's Michael Broomhead. <laughs> no, it's What's Michael Broomhead. Oh right, okay. It's Michael Broomhead. There was a hyphen I didn't see there. <laughs> it's actually Mr. Michael Broomhead. Uh, foolish vandals have drawn two large penises on a bus shelter near Chesterfield. They're not foolish. They're clearly artistic heroes. Let's get this right. We've probably seen American Vandal on Netflix. <laughs> Members of the public, including youngsters and elderly people. <laughs> I, like the, I like the use of word members there. <laughs> are currently being confronted. Oi, <laughs> 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 you, look at my willy. <laughs> by, the, by the distinctful images of the prominent phalli. Phalli! Fallow! No, no, there's no plural for phallus. <laughs> Fallow! Whilst waiting for buses in Duckmanton. Duckmanton? A village within the civil parish of Sutton Cum Duckmanton. <laughs> One of those phalluses is obviously very cold. Uh, there's a picture of the two phalli. Yes, one has got one has got two uh, very blue globes <laughs> at the bottom of it, and the the bo- the uh, heading underneath it is unacceptable graffiti in Duck Mountain. <laughs> I like how they shorten this because they they don't they don't want to use the full village parish name there. Yeah, I like the fact that somebody was given. I'm, I worked in a local newspaper office when I was at uni. And I, I got given a couple of stories to go and investigate. So I had to go and like go and talk to people and do some research and take my little dick to phone out. I don't know if someone's had to go out 
find the bus stop with the knobs drawn on it, <laughs> and uh, then has had to then has had to interview people about the knobs. <laughs> what I love is he's actually described on the website as Michael Broomhead One. On, on his byline page, so they must have had two Michael Broomheads working there at some point. Anyway, to continue with the news story. Where was I? I shall return to the page. Oh, no, auto-playing video with caution, distressing images. <laughs> <laughs> the Derbyshire Times has been informed of the council of the daft graffiti. Daft! It's not daft! It's art. If Banksy drew two knobs, everybody would be like, oh my god, he's great. But no, because obviously a couple of youths have done it. Oh, they're, they're, it's daft graffiti. No, it's art. They're expressing themselves. Taxpayers' cash will have to be used to remove this. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. People are reminded that graffiti is the offence of criminal damage. And if prosecuted, the offender could face a fine or even imprisonment. Last year, vandals drew male anatomy on the footbridge leading to Queen's Park in Chesterfield. Anatomy. This, so this is something different to a erect phallus. Yeah. It's male anatomy. We, we have a read more story. Uh, <laughs> council staff later came along and washed it away. The read more byline is vandals draw phallus on the footbridge in Queen's Park in Chesterfield. I mean, you know, it's quite clearly what they fought on the team. So. <laughs> so we have four separate pictures of this phalli as we go down the article. If it's so offending, how come there's lots of pictures of it in the newspaper? What I like is they've taken multiple angles both inside and outside of the bus centre. <laughs> Do we want to read the Read More story? What's the Read More story? Which is the the footbridge phallus. Yeah, I'm always up for a story about a, draw, a, a drawn penis, to be honest. Also Actually, written by Michael Broomhead. Oh, God, do you know, like every time, every time, like, every time someone draws a knob, it's like, right, send Broom out, uh, Broomhead out. I've got to say, investigates. based on the photo, the one on the bridge is a lot better. It's a different artist as well. Yeah, it's, it's much more, it's different much artist. more, it's much more realistic. Well, that's got, uh, that's got a, a finishing element to the picture, to say the least. Shall we read this one? Vandals have drawn a phallus on the footbridge leading to the Queen's Park in Chesterfield. Chesterfield Borough Council will now have to use taxpayers' money to remove the tasteless graffiti. Do you think, like, in the next council just... meeting, like, they're like, do you know what, we're sick of paying taxes. Like, we're sick of all the bin stuff going on, though, so our council money's being used in the bin men's strike. And then, like, they're like, do you know what, sick of all these, uh, sick of all these, uh... Phalluses. Phalluses being drawn. Um, you know, can you stop using the council money just to get rid of them, please? Like, for God's sake. Thousands of people, including children, Walk across the bridge every day to get the ta- to the town beauty spot. Well, tell them it's a rocket. Graffiti is an offence of criminal damage, and if prosecuted, the offender could face a fine or imprisonment. That sounds very similar to yeah, a previous Broomhead story. That is a very that is a much shorter story, only with the one phallus picture. I think they could only get the one angle here, so you can't really work with the bus stop as you can do. On the- I've got a tip though for the council. What they could do instead of getting it removed, <laughs> they could invite people Someone's to come and add more things council. to it. Because if you did lots of those phalluses together in a circle, you could make it look like a flower. A flower of phalluses. Or you, um, or you could like draw whiskers on it and put a tail and make it look like a cat with its yeah. sitting down. You could be more creative. You could engage the community and ask them to come along and help you to make this a much more attractive proposition. A cat, right? A cat with big balls? <laughs> no, you turn it into the feet when it's sitting down. What cat have you seen who's got balls for feet? 
But well, you could use it so it looks like its chin. Yes. I don't see Tony the Tiger walking around tripping on his testicles, did you? You could turn it into a... Yeah, you could turn you it could, into or you could mouth. turn it into a Family Man tribute and have all of the Family Guy uh, <laughs> characters put... Family Man? <laughs> family Man. I don't watch that show. I know they once did Obviously. A, a, I don't know they once did a, 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 a tribute to uh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Right. Shall we move on to our other weird news article? I think I'm done with... Uh, Fallacies in Derbyshire. I'm not so sure what's weird about finding a tiger in a cupboard whilst you're trying to get high. <laughs> Willy Wonka's it's a great, right. it's a great end to that story. Yes. Wonky uh, Willy's drawn on bridge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to return to the other new news story, person discovers a thousand pound tiger whilst trying to find a place to smoke weed. Subheadline: The police initially thought the tipster was hallucinating. Okay. <laughs> Written by a certain Philip Ellis. I, Phil Ellis wrote this. <laughs> I think oh, the, hang on, are we plugging his work here? I think this is, Philip Ellis wrote a version of this story that appeared on a particular page. Philip um, Ellis, do we, do we believe this is a real person? No, no guy's quite total, clearly a total joke. Fake. <laughs> total, like, boss just writing news stories. Yep. Concerned citizen calls 311 after stumbling across the plus-size cat. I can imagine Phil Ellis writing the term plus-size cat, yeah. Authorities initially believed the tipster might be hallucinating. Did he write the word tipster? Yes. The thousand-pound tiger had to be towed out of the house to an animal shelter. Towed out the house? (laughs) Just call the AA when you've got a tiger here. (laughs) Do you think the AA man just turned up and just went... Oh, don't know if I've got the parts of that, Gov. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's covered under your policy. That's going to cost you. A person tried to smoke some weed in peace got the shock of their life on Monday when they came end up coming face-to-face with an overweight tiger. Harsh-filled sizes. I wouldn't have expected that from you. Having entered an ha- abandoned house in Houston to smoke, the individual who has been only been identified as a concerned citizen... <laughs> Called 311, then became the more challenging part, convincing the authorities they weren't hallucinating. I mean, someone was hallucinating here. They were just trying to get into this house to smoke marijuana, said Jason Alderete, a police, a sergeant in the Houston Police Department. Right. Okay. We questioned them as whether they were under the effects of the drugs or they actually saw a tiger. They saw a tiger in this building, this vacant house that had obviously been abandoned for some time. Then there's a copy of the tweet. Congratulations to our at BARC underscore Houston animal enforcement officers and a job well done earlier Monday following an anonymous tip from a concerned citizen regarding a tiger. The female tiger, estimated to weigh approximately £1,000, was living in a cage too small for an animal of her size and had to be tranquilised and towed out of the property. She was taken to BARC, Houston's animal rescue and shelter facility. Today was our lucky day and the tiger's. A spokesperson for Animal Control t- told ABC 13's Mayra Moreno, who described the t- conditions the tiger was living in as deplorable. We deal with, for the most part, put- puppies and kittens. Very, very rarely do we take into a do we take in a tiger. Laura Cottingham, chief of staff at Houston's administrative and regulatory department, told USA Today. Houston Zoo were unable to take the tiger, but the story does have a happy ending with KHOU reporting a local Texas animal sanctuary will be able to give her a home. E. I hope they identified whoever that house belonged to previously and nailed them to the wall for having a tiger inside it. 
Well, how could you prove that it was them who put the tiger there if they've abandoned the house? But if they if they were living in that house, if they can't go, oh, it wasn't there when we moved out. <laughs> Suddenly was, a thousand pound tiger's appeared. It must have snuck in. <laughs> it creeped in through the cat uh, flap. I just imagine now the cat just like coming for the cat flap and then just like turning around in a circle a couple nope. of times before yeah. flopping down. Yeah. Oscar nominations, prediction time. It's the most wonderful time if you're rich and famous of the year to win awards for things you've starred in. Right, awards. So the nomination, the nominees for Best Picture are Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favourite, Green Book, Roma, A Star Is Born, and Vice. Right. Put it out there now, Black Panther, no chance of winning. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Right. It's a sympathy nomination. It's It's got... Right, Keith, the list again. Black Panther. Yeah. Black Klansman. Bohemian Rhapsody. The Favourite. Green Book. Roma. A Star is Born. And Vice. Right, let's put Black Panther to the side for a minute and analyse the other fat that's in that category, right? Right. And then I'll go back to why I think you're wrong. Right, Black Klansman, Adam Driver, Denzel Washington Jr., whatever his name is. Uh, John Washington? Yeah. John? It, it's a Spike Lee joint. Yeah. Has no chance of winning an Oscar no. for Baker's Picture. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like it feels, out of all these films, it feels like the comedy of the, 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 the ones here. Yeah. Like, even though it's been, it's quite a serious message, and I feel like, They've dropped it in to play the racism card a little bit here, so we're not racist. Well, Spike Lee's won an Oscar. Has he won an Oscar? No, before? he's never been nominated for one until I now. Don't think he's, yeah. Yeah, um, sorry, but I feel like I feel like it's a key. You're right. It's 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 in there. It's good. It's been nominated. Been recognised. You know, because it's yeah. been a, it's been a weak year, and I'm glad that it's been getting a push in. But yeah, it's no chance of a winner. Right, Bohemian Rhapsody, no chance. Utter no. utter trash of a film, saved by a fantastic performance and. Utter trash heap of a film. Rami Malik was the only good thing about yeah. that film by a country mile. Yeah, I think because the, the, of the controversy surrounding its making, it, yeah. the Oscar Academy aren't going to want to bring that kind of stuff up. Well, the um, big haired astrologer sticking yeah. his fingers in. Uh, the favourite Oscar bait, blatantly Oscar bait, this film. I think in, a, in another, in a, maybe a different year. Potentially, because it's a superb film. It did quite well at the BAFTAs, didn't it? It did, and it was always going to, because the Olivia Colman thing. But to me, this is one. Of, this is my favourite film of the year so far. This that it's it's utterly superb. But it hasn't got it, ha- it hasn't got a chance. No. But it should. For me, it's one of the two films that I think will take it. I think it's rated though. It's it's. I think it's close. <coughs> Lovely. I think it's close, but I don't think there's any chance that it will cross that finishing line. I think, I think, I think it's going to lose out because I think it's it's quite a nasty, spiteful little film, and that's what I love about it. But I feel like it, it it's alien. It's a little bit alienating because it's 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 unpleasant. But I think it's the kind of film that would play very well to Academy voters. I mean, it's a costume drama. Yeah, yeah. We all know how we love a costume drama. Yeah, of course, so. yeah. And we know how much Americans are obsessed with British royalty. Yeah. 
So that might play, as you said, slightly harder. I think it's a different it's a different kettle of fish for the Oscars compared to <laughs> the Screen Actors Guild or the BAFTAs in this category. I, th- I don't think the films that have won in other awards are going to pick it up in this one. So uh, for me, it's one of the two I think will get it. Yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, next one along. Green Book. Green Book. Right. There's been a lot of, lot of, lot of chatter about this online. I've seen Green Book. It's a very enjoyable film. It's a great buddy road movie. But Marsha Shana and the um, Vigo both fantastic performances. But I, I feel with this that it's it's going to be. I feel like it's very strong. I put I will put this in the top four potential winners here because I feel like it's the it's the faff the Oscars will go for. It's been, we've been here, we've been down this road so many times of a film like this being nominated and winning because it's an inspirational story. But it, it's just, it's, it's an alright film. It's, it, you know, it's good, but it, it's, it's nothing unique, it's nothing different. It's just, it, it is what it is. It's funny that it's directed by Farley Brother, though. Yeah. Okay. Roma's next. Extremely very limited cinema release in the UK. Uh, well, this is the one for me that's interesting in terms of, in the UK... It's a Netflix film, isn't it? It's it's a predominantly Netflix film. I don't know its screening schedule in in the states. So how how many thing how many people have seen it at the well, cinema? Isn't there but, have to be so many cinemas? It's got to be shown on before it. Well, it's, it's it's the it's the uh, Tommy Wiseau yeah. thing that like it, would, it has to be seen in a number of for a number of screens for a number of times to be a, to qualify for an Academy Award. Yeah. For me though, the problem that, that Roma's got is the legitimization of films that are predominantly screened through Netflix. Yeah. And I don't think the Academy is in a position that they want to acknowledge the fact that films are screening or being part financed or being being screened through a streaming service. It's it's the can effect, isn't it? Yeah. It's exactly the same as the Cannes Film Festival. They don't want small screen movies to qualify. For me, Roma is a piece of pure, unadulterated cinema, distilled and utterly mesmerising, brackets Blake, piece spelt wrong. Uh, no, actually, I have not seen Roma. I'm not interested in seeing it. I think it, I think it looks boring. I think it, I think it looks like, it, I think it will probably win Best Picture. I don't think it will. I think if it wins, it will win in the uh, film, not in, uh, yes. film in a foreign language category. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's ever at the Oscars. I think it will win as film in a foreign language, but won't pick up the best picture um, at the Oscars. I feel it's for people who feel they're quite intellectual and go to dinner parties and quite smug to say that they've seen something quite intellectual and that they can have a very intellectual conversation about it when actually they're, they're just pretending. That's what that that's what that film gives me vibes of. Well, they've they've already kind of given uh, Alfonso credit Carl, for yeah. Gravity, and I don't think it's it's a quick enough turnaround. Well, Birdman as well. Yeah. So I think they've done that whole foreign language directors coming into UK, um, into Western cinema. Um, Star is Brawn. So got Star is Brawn. Star is Brawn. <laughs> a film what? about a film about shaving. Now, for me, <laughs> Bradley, Bradley Cooper might win this. I think. Cause... I I I firmly think that this or the favourite is going to is what's going to pick up the Oscar. Right. It's a film that's been rehashed three times previously. So it's yeah. kind of is it. Is it? Does it really qualify as a best film if it's a film that's already been remade three times? Well, it's it's a it's a film that shows the inspirational story of uh, the entertainment industry. It's a first time director from a actor who has been previously nominated 
for Oscars. Are you think of the Affleck Demon? So I, I, I think that this stands a very good chance of picking up an award just because Oscar likes to award itself for how awesome it is. I think that they will stay away from it because it was too mainstream. If, I, if they do give it, it's the most backclappy award they could possibly give. Yeah, it's it's not it's not that great. It's all right. It's not that great. It's two very good performances. Lady Gaga is absolutely superb in it. But said it, isn't it a script just, from the nineteen forties? But it's just bland. You've just described the perfect Oscar winner. Because if mm. you look back at most Oscar-winning films, they're okay. They're not the best film that was released that year. Yeah, worth a look. All right, last one. Vice. Christian Bale as Dick, Dick Cheney. Vice is a superb film. Right. Vice is excellent. Bale has done his usual, hasn't he? He's completely transformed himself. He looks nothing like you'd expect Bale to look like. I mean, the performance aside, I mean, this film is great because, like, okay, it's going to be controversial. People don't like Dick Cheney. But this is a film about a winner. I this- think... I think because it's the American politics and how it's politically charged there at the minute, I think this stands more of a chance to I, win. I put, this in, I put this in the top three. With, yeah. uh, I put this in the top four with um, Green Book, uh, Roma. Yeah. And Vice said they've got some stellar performances. It's, it's it? great performances. It's a great film. And like I say, this is, this is a film that you want to hate Dick Cheney, but you can't help but feel somewhat into what he's into him. Like, you somewhat find yourself disgustingly like it. I came out thinking, what a winner, because he manipulated his way through government. And yes, it was wrong, and yes, he caused a war, and stuff like that, but... Hey, the, the, Sam wow, Rock, Sam Rockwell's George W. Bush. Not in, not in it enough, really, to make an impact. This is, this is the Cheney story. They, yeah. Bush isn't in the film enough to make an impact, but I think that's the point of it, is that it literally Bush was a puppet here, so he's in it briefly in a few scenes... To just show the amount of power that Cheney had, yeah. and it's done. It's done in a fun pop cultural referential style. You know, it, it's very much like a, a flight, almost like a documentary. Sometimes it, it's it's very starch. And yeah, this is from the guy who's directed Step Brothers. Let's put that in perspective. And I say, if if this wins, it's going to be Tyler Perry's first Oscar-winning movie. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's treading ground that we've already had in previous. Nomina- right. nominations in, the pre- in, in years ago I don't think it stands that much of a chance alright let's return to Black Panther and why you're wrong shall I, shall I tell you why I don't think it's going to win and then I'll tell you why you're wrong I think the hype wave has gone the Black Panther hype wave that was so overpowering has gone they will refuse to give a popcorn movie a best film award because then that negates the whole point of the Oscars. That's what they did the popular movie award for and that's why they've had to backtrack. So I can't see why they'd give this one if they already had to backtrack on the popular movie award because they're going to want something arty-farty and Oscars-y. You're wrong. I don't really, think I'm... You're wrong because... Base, look at that list again. Take a good long look at that list of films... They're all they're all enjoyable. They're all good, but they're not great. Like even the favourite, which I really enjoy, it's good, but it's not great. Well, Black Panther. I don't think we've had any standout movies over but, the last. And that's why Black Panther's made it because it is a standout film. It's superb and it's it's impressive in every single way. It's come along and it, to, the fact it's even achieved this. Is incredible, but I would genuinely put it in the top four. 
Bohemian you... Rhapsody is trash. Well, the, you know what the other reason why I don't think it's going to win? The only other Oscar is sound editing and costume design and stuff like that. It's not got any best actor, no best actress, no best supporting not, actor. Not being in the best director category as well. Yeah. I, I think you're well off the mark because you're looking at it as you. Looking at this from the point of view of an Oscar voter, there is no way in that, that category that Black Panther stands a chance. Because there's no supporting awards around it no. and that's what you always judge your Oscars on because it's usually... They look at the casting as well. Like yeah, they always get the, actor, actresses, director nominations. Think how bad the Oscars have been recently. They've been criticised for being stale, out of date. Look at some of the past minutes. Spotlight, good film, but does anybody really remember it? Uh, Moonlight, good film, does anybody really remember it? Do you know what I mean? So like, they, I feel like they're going to put this in there because they want to. They want finally want to be like, hang on a minute. We're gonna do something different. We are gonna we're gonna recognise the rest of it. It's a statement and it's in there to prove a point. And it's gonna be I think it's gonna be the year the Oscars turn around and go, hang on a minute, we can be cool and hip and down with everybody. We're not an old fashioned thing anymore, and we aren't racist and we aren't sexist and we can do this. But that would definitely render the Oscars utterly useless because yeah. if Black Panther wins, they're basically going yeah, we, we don't we don't anymore. give a clue because there's no way the fact that they're not picking up any actor awards, they're not picking up any direction awards, that you can't possibly say that this is the best film, but it's rubbish in every other category. I feel, I feel that anything other than Black Panther, the favourite, or Vice on that list, if they win, everybody's going to be like, yeah, standard, standard Oscar boring year. So what's your pick for the winning best film? Personally, like with you, I'd say the favourite is, is the, a great film. I'd like to see it win. I honestly, I think Black Panther will do it. I'm going to go with the favourite because it's costume drama. It's about royalty. It's Oscar bait. It's everything that they want. Yeah, I'd I'd make that a triple hitter and say the favourite is probably the film that's going to win. Yep. Right. So we move on to lead actor before guy explodes in joy for Black Panther. If I'm right, I am going to literally rub it in your faces so hard. Right, lead actor Keith. The nominees for lead actor are Christian Bale in Vice, Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born, William Dafoe at Eternity's Gate, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, and Viggo Mortensen in Green Book. Right, my selection is gonna be Bradley Cooper, A Star Is Born. That's what I'm going for because it can't be Christian Bale because he's done the body transformation previously, and although he's done a really good Dick Cheney, I don't think he's going to get it. Not going to be William Dafoe because he never wins anything. Romeo Malik, all right, it's it's probably the defining performance of his career, but the rest of the film doesn't support that standout performance. And Viggo Mortensen, no chance. He's good in Green Book. He's he's good, but I don't think he's got a chance. I think that should be Marsha Shaler Ali and not Viggo Mortensen for that win. I think uh, B. Coop, no way. Gargar's the star of that film. B. Coop is the supporting act. But because he's directing and acting, he's going to get the. It's Gargar's. He's got to get one of the two, I think. It's Gargar's film, not him. Defoe, courtesy nomination. Mortessen, he's got no chance here, but it, it's a good shout. Christian, it's between Christian Bale and Rami Mellet. Bale is superb in that film, he's vile. But, but if he's I, been superb in so many other films. I think Rami Malek's going to get... That impression of Freddie Mercury is immaculate. It's so... like That is the reason you're drawn to that film. It's because of his performance. And he's thrown everything into it. And I think, like, yeah, the film's trash. But he'll, I think he'll get it. I think he'll, honestly... They'll look at that and be like, that is... they That is everything that 
he's embodied everything about Freddie Mercury and he's got it spawn and I think that he'll get the he'll get the gong for that. Yeah, I'd say that in that list there isn't really a performance that sticks with you outside of Malik's impersonation of Freddie. I think he's he's he's, he's won that award. It's a, it's a walk away easy. He's I don't think anybody can challenge him for that. I was drawn to the screen for him, not the film. I would love for him to win it. I think they'll go with Bradley Cooper though, because I think Astar is born is going to swipe quite a few awards. Hmm. Uh, lead actress, then, Keith. The nominees for lead actress are Yalcia Apricio in Roma, Glenn Close in The Wife, Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born, and Melissa McCarthy in Can You Ever Forgive Me. Go on then. I mean, uh, for me, this is, this would be. I'd be happy with this. I I I don't really know anything about the Rome actress because I haven't seen the film. Um, Glenn Close has already got a cupboard full of them. Glenn Close. She's gonna she's gonna bloody win it because they haven't ever given an Oscar, so she's getting it because they've never given her one. And it's almost it's basically a lifetime achievement award for her, isn't it, that's coming. But if it was any any either Coleman, Gaga or McCarthy, you know what I'd be happy with one and one an obscure but brilliant pop star, one a fat woman that falls over in comedy films who I absolutely love apparently and one, and she's one... been amazing in Can You Forever yeah it's amazing. brilliant it's a brilliant film she's basically just playing Melissa McCarthy but just not falling over and Sophie from Peep Show yeah. if Sophie from Peep Show wins an Oscar I mean come on that's great that would be amazing especially if Mark and uh, Jeremy were given the award out <laughs> alright uh, we well I, I just think it's, it's the trickiest of the categories so far I, I wouldn't be surprised if Gaga wins it. No, it's, I think it's close. I'm telling you, I think I, it's close. I, I, if, I was, if I was having to put money on it, I would go for Olivia Coleman in the favourite for this Ooh, one. Three-way split. All right, uh, director, Keith? The nominees for Best Director are Spike Lee for Black Klansman, Powell Pawlowski for Cold War, Yargos Lamintmos for The Favourite, Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, and Adam McKay for Vice. Thanks, Oscar for having just one easily pronounceable name in that list. I'm thinking Spike Lee. Ooh. I'm thinking Spike Lee because Black Panther won't get best film. See, Black Panther, because um, it's, it's, it's only. From, it's coming from Jordan Peele's production company. Yeah, I think the Black Panther thing being what's going to make it go to Spike. I think the, the Academy's. Difficulty is a film that ends up with an upturned American flag. Yeah. I think it's too politically charged for Oscar to go, yeah, we support this movie. I think Spike should get it. It's his best yeah. film in a long oh, time. It's, it's a stunningly years. good piece of work. Um, but it's not to do the right thing, is it? Or, you know, it's, it's not, it's this not is, his prime. It's this, just. A, this is one thing yeah. they've missed so many of his best films. Is it now they're just going to give him an award because he's come out like, with like, a good film? Like the Glenn Close. Yeah. It's a late career fluke. It's a, you've done a really good film for the first time in, to be fair, quite a while now. And oops, we should have really acknowledged you in the 90s. So here's an Oscar to yeah. keep you quiet. If I was putting money down on this, I would go for uh, Alfonso Cuaron for Roma in this category. Hasn't he already won one? Probably. Uh, didn't he win for Gravity? Or is that a different know. one? I don't know. But I reckon you'll get it for this. I think I think Keith's right. I, I Personally, I'd like to see Yorgos. I can't pronounce his surname from the favourite. Um, because he's made other excellent films like Killing a Sacred Deer and The Lobster. So he deserves it because his films are always unique. Or Adam McKay because he's the guy who directed Step Brothers. 
And that, that that's a weird combination, isn't it? Stepbrothers and Vice. Yeah, like, I mean, like that's for me. That would be just uh, awesome to see. Alfonso Cuarón has already won two Oscars previously, so he won Best Achievement in Directing for Gravity, uh, and Best Motion Picture for Gravity as well. And he yeah. was nominated for Children of Men. Yeah, which was an amazing film. If you've never seen that, do check that out. Should we wrap this up with the supporting very quickly? Yeah. Then? So, Best Supporting Actor, Keith. Okay, Best Supporting Actors are my Marsh. Marsha Sharla. Marsha Sharla Ali for Green Book. Adam Driver for Black Kansman. Sam Elliott, A Star is Born. Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And Sam Rockwell for Vice. Right. Sam Elliott, my pick on this one. Ooh. Oh, no way, Ryan. I would put my money on Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, For me, Ali is great in Green Book. But I, I feel like the, the Americans have not understood who Richard E. Grant is. Yeah. Like, for us, he's a national treasure. Yeah. And I've seen Can You Ever Forgive Me? And he's basically just playing Richard E. Grant. But I feel they've mistaken that for him playing a character. Yeah. But he literally has just turned up and been himself. And I think for that reason, Richard E. Grant will get it. Because I think the Americans think he's somebody he's not. I don't think Adam Driver's got a chance. No, no, it's, that's, just a, that's just... Sam Rockwell, as you said, he wasn't in the film no. enough. Where I'm thinking of is for Sam Elliott is because he's such one of those character actors and he's been in so many movies. And I think, again, it's going to be another nod for all of his previous works rather than a nod for his film. I and think Star is Born, I think, is going to swipe wipe the floor with quite a lot. But he's not he's not in that long. He's not that great in it. And I, I, th- I think if Glenn Close is getting almost the lifetime achievement more than the best actors, they're going to give him one as well. People don't know who he is. This guy, Marshall Rapp, is, is the moustache. That's what people know him as. He's the Hollywood moustache. Arlie's hot property at the moment. He's, he's everywhere I turn. He's in True Detective. He's in True. And Richard E. Grant, it's an unusual choice, but it's it's a good choice. I think in the supporting actor category, they, they go for that slightly unusual choice. And so I think Richard's got a very good, strong chance of picking mm. that award up. Right, actress to end this. So the nominees for Best Supporting Actress are Amy Adams for Vice... Marina del Travia for Roma, Regina King for If Beale Street Could Stalk, <laughs> Emma Stone for The Favourite, and Rachel Weiss for The Favourite. Oh, now this. Is it going to be Rachel Weiss? Is it going to be Emma Stone? Oh, you see, I'm not even going for either one of them. You... I would, I, I... I'm going for Regina King and If Beale Street Could Talk. Why didn't that get nominated? I saw that the other day. That, 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 the fact that that got snubbed in a lot of the categories is shocking. But that is, I saw it the other day. It should have been put in Best Picture. It is a superb film. should I'm have gonna... been in there with Black Klansman, definitely. I think, I think as, as if you had a, a choice between Black Klansman and that, that's the more palatable choice. Yeah, it's uh, a remarkable in film. Terms of, in terms of those films. I'm thinking it's going to be one of the fav- two from The Favourite. Because... Because I put both of them in, that that's a pretty strong indicator that they're loving that film so much, as a selection academy. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in a category where two supporting actresses from that film, and you choose one of them. Well, they've got best actress and both best supporting yeah. actresses. I think, I so think I if think they give it to Olivia Coleman, then no, that's yeah. it. But I don't think they're going to give it to Olivia Coleman, so I think it's going to be either Emma Stone or Rachel Weisz, and I'm probably going to go with Rachel Weisz because she's won the BAFTA. I think that Amy Adams has got no chance with Vice. She ain't in it for that. She ain't in it much. She ain't that great in it. I don't know. The, again, Roma. I, I don't know. Yeah. Regina King is good in If Beale Street Could Talk, but she's not in it enough. I don't think to really. She only has like one really powerful. I'm not going to spoil this, but she has very powerful scenes towards the end. But I don't think enough to to win it. I feel like she's the five minute segment which focuses on her. 
it's powerful, but not that powerful. It's a good performance. It's an attention grabbing yeah. set of um, moments. So I think, I think, I think it's down to the favourite girls. And yeah, sorry, favourite. I think favorite it's women. Be... That's bad of me to say. Girls. I um, think it's Rachel Weisz because she's won the BAFTA. So I think Emma Stone's had her glory with La La Land. So yeah. I think Rachel Weisz. And plus. Like, if you look at the characters in the film, Rachel Weisz is the nastiest piece of work in that film. She's vile, and I loved her in it. Like, Emma Stone has to be nice at first, and then she turns vile. And Rachel Weisz is... Just nasty all the way. I know, like, spoilers aside, everybody's probably seen this now. Emma Stone's nasty to a rabbit, so you don't deserve it. (laughs) Right, one final category we're going to cover off. Best animated feature. I'm Keith, so glad you've done that. The, list. the, uh, what, the nominees for animated feature are Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Mari, Mirai. Mirai. Thank you for that. Ralph Breaks the Internet and Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Right, starting off Incredibles 2. No, Trash. Ralph Breaks the Internet. No, that takes us down to three films Isle of Dogs, which I do love, and it's a Wes Anderson kooky film. Mirai, which I've not seen, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I would love to win, but I don't think it's going to. I think Spider-Verse was overrated. I thought stylishly it was look, it looked alright. Uh, it was just another boring origin story for me. So, I oh, the dogs all the way. This is, this if they is... don't win, I'm going to be very upset, because it's an amazing piece of work from Laika, and it's an amazing piece of work from Wes Anderson, and it needs recognition. Wes Anderson always falls short of the Oscars again here. They need to finally give him something. Give him this. It will go to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, if that wins, then came Marvel, cool Marvel gets a win for the night, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is fine. If Wes Anderson wins, Wes Anderson gets a win for the night. There's a win either way there. As long as they don't honor the Incredibles too, because it was utter trash. And I don't think Ralph Breaks Internet is ever going to be winning anything. I think they've flipped two... they flipped some really... Rubbish films. It's a, it's, it's a bit of an odd category because it's it's quite main. It's the most mainstream of all the films that are yeah. in, a, in any category. But I think Spider Man's got it tied up. It was uh, visually uh, stimulating, using techniques that hadn't been seen before. So I think it's quite yeah, quite a pivotal moment. But I, I would love Isle of Dogs to win mainly because it's stop motion animation, which I think needs some love nowadays rather than. <sighs> CGI overblown fluff because the thing with in Spider-Verse is it's a really nice film cinematographically cinematographically is that the way you pronounce it? Yeah cinematographically yeah. I think it looks really pretty but I would prefer Isle of Dogs to win just from the, the actual effort and work that got put into that film but I don't I don't think stop motion gets will pick up that award it's just not not the way it's going to do it. I mean, you know. If I mean, it, I thought Kubo would have won, but to be honest, yeah, but it was only it was only nominated for yeah. it, so it's kind of like, you know, uh, <laughs> stop. And uh, to be honest, Isle of Dogs isn't up to the standard of Kubo in terms of its animation. Not not in a million years. So I don't think I think it's Spider Man all the way. Right, that's our Oscar predictions wrapped up. Agree, disagree? Let us know. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Geeky <coughs> Every time. Yeah. Every time. Depending on you. <coughs> Dot cut on live on it. I was trying to do it away from the microphone at least. Yeah, into my, into my sofa. <laughs> Guy, you set us a task this week. I did, I did, I did, I did, I did, I so, did. A musical legend. You wanted us to revisit some of his works. 
Yeah, so we talk about one of my heroes a lot on this show. We're big fans of Mr. David Bowie. Yes. Sadly deceased three years now. They do Bowie reissues around this time every 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 year now, as they do with vinyl. And uh, they normally really sit in a box set first at the end of like November, and then the individual reissues come out around this time of year. So we've gotten we've gone through like the early days, Space Oddity, Money Sold the World, etc. We've gone through you know like the plastic soul era of like Young Americans, etc. Past the Berlin era, and now we've ended up. Smack bang into the 1980s era of David Bowie. Cue the groans. Right. Now, I'm a massive David Bowie fan. And I feel like the run of albums, not including his self-titled debut. I'm going to be a bit pedantic and I don't like that. Because it wasn't proper Bowie, mm. really. But from Space Oddity up to Let's Dance, because it's in part of the ones we're going to talk about. Yep. Is a superb run of albums. Okay, there's a few missteps along the way. Yeah. But it is a it's a superb run of records. He really didn't put a footstep wrong. Yeah. So you got you have Let's Dance, which is part of this set we're gonna talk about. And then you hit tonight. Nineteen eighty four tonight. And it's the first time really he he made a record which didn't resonate with an audience, I don't think. And I feel that this put Bowie on a downforce, a downward spiral for the remainder of the 1980s that he, he struggled for a while to get back from. I feel like choices were made, musical decisions, directions taken were not wise and were maybe of not the high calibre you'd expect from Bowie. Right. Shall we crack on with Let's Dance then? Because this is probably the highlight out of the three albums you sent us away with. Yeah, it's fun. This is a fun. This this is the end of the run, really, of the yeah. solid run. It's a great record. Nile Rodgers is involved with it. You know, everybody knows that famous title track. It's yeah. got China Girl on there. Modern, modern, modern love. Sorry, yeah. um, Cat People. You know, it, it it's a great record. It's good to DJ with. It's you know, it's oh. Bowie at his best and most. I'd say most accessible and pop. I'd, I'd say Let's Dance is by far the standout track from it. I wouldn't say China Girl and Cat People, even modern. Yeah. But they're all, in terms of the record, yeah. for like Bowie going full on pop, they're all superb tracks. I mean, my, my cliff notes were, was too much brass. There's lots and lots of brass in it. I'd be a standard would expect that from you. But uh, and there was lots and lots of overextended solos. I think it could have done with a much heavier edit. On a side note from that, Ryan, and happy death day to you too. Yeah. There's uh, there's a chap that looks like you playing a trombone who gets told to shut up by his roommate. That, that's like. right, because anybody with a trombone should be told to shut up. <laughs> For me, coming after Scary Monsters, which is my favourite album mm-hmm. of Bowie's run. Up until kind of Black Star, um, I like Let's Dance a lot. I don't think my, I, I think Let's Dance is actually the weakest track on the whole album. I kind of okay. like Ricochet quite a lot. I love Modern Love, and I do like Cat People putting out fires. Mm. Um, so it's mostly solid. It's a little self indulgent, and but it is very poppy. It's very much kind of hitting that kind of eighties pop vibe. As I said, from my opinion, it felt like it was it was recorded 
and pushed out, whereas it probably needed a mother couple of listens to to just tighten it up a little bit. I oh, see. I think. I think that he reinvents himself with every record, and this was natural that this record was going to happen eventually. It happened at the right part of the eighties. He got it. He got yeah. it. He got it spot on. You know, it, it's against another brilliant reinvention of an artist who is basically a chameleon in terms of yeah. music. It's it's Bowie's dance album. Yeah. Yeah. Really. But I do feel that it was his. It was a curse for him as a record because this is. I think this is the record that broke him in America, really, wasn't it? And properly broke him. I think this is the record that catapulted him into the the mainstream mm-hmm. in music. Yeah. And that's what people then wanted for the remainder of the decade was the next Let's Dance record to Let's Dance Part well, 2 Let's Dance Part 3 I think as soon as you go into pop that that's the trap a lot of bands find as soon as they hit that pop album and they become successful it's a case of do we not experiment anymore do we just churn out the same thing over and over again and Bowie is the antithesis of that he said he reinvents himself every album but you know, we, we say that though but when you actually look at some of his music and like when you do the transition from um, Young Americans to Station to Station there is there isn't a fantastic change there where there is the plastic soul and then there's the, the strung out music of Station to Station but there's still the plastic soul element to Station to Station and then the, you can hit, then hear hints of where you can hear the thread so can... there's a thread but then so that has always continued yeah. throughout his career and then it's obvious when he's done Let's Dance he's threaded that into the next two records but I feel that this is the point when like everybody got a, he became everybody's and yeah. everybody wanted pop and that's that's the problem I said a lot of bands have found. I mean, you get a lot of modern bands nowadays. As soon as they hit that pop record, that's it. That that's all they'll churn out for eternity. So t- let's move on to tonight. Because obviously, we're all thinking probably Let's Dance is the pinnacle here of the of the three. I, I'd say out of the three albums, Let's Dance is definitely the most popular out of the three. I'd yeah, say it's probably the okay. most. Okay, I feel like that's probably fair. Critically, it was much better received than Tonight and Yeah. So where did it, where did it all go wrong with tonight then? Right. I feel like so I'll go with my cliff notes of what I've got on tonight. So it's a mellow album for the first half, then it kicks up a tempo. Um, I felt it had a bit of a reggae kind of influence to it. So yeah, this is something I kind of had always tried to overlook. So it's a re- reggae calypso vibe to it. Yeah. And okay, yeah, it it's it doesn't quite work. It's a bit cheesy, but then at the same time, when I sat and I thought about it. It's again, it's Bowie trying a new genre. It's Bowie trying reggae. It doesn't hit the it doesn't hit the ground perfectly. I think Don't Look Down and Tonight are the, probably the two tracks where you've got that reggae really pushing to the front. I yeah. Think. But again, it's just an artist pushing himself again. But again, it's Bowie doing something different and take because a lot of these tracks are re-recording or older songs yeah. mm. or covers. So I mean, he had a lot of he had a Worked quite collaboratively with Iggy Pop for quite a number of years. So quite a few of those songs are, are, are kind of re-ver- re- reworked versions of songs that came off Lust for Life. And Bowie does that well. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. God so only there was, knows. I think I mean, the, that God Only Knows cover, it sounded like a pub singer. It yeah. was just awful from start to finish. I mean, that's, one of my, that's my all-time favourite song and it's... Bowie's multi-funny yeah. artist the two don't mix because there's a song he did on the next day which I absolutely detest it's horrible and then he re-recorded it for Blackstar and I love it but it's just that kind of like it was the one that was kind of weirdly experimental jazzy on the next day oh, is that Sue? Kind of, oh I like yeah, both versions I of Sue I cannot stand the one on the next day really? I really hate it oh, it's just too self-indulgent but I think tonight suffers a little bit um, 
because it's it's Bowie doing what he does and not doing the same. Mm. Really, it's kind of like the audience was prepared for, like you said, for for Let's Dance Part Two, and that's not what they got. I mean, as I said, that reggae influence. I think he missed the whole point of reggae music. He just went for the calypso sound without any of the meaning of mo- meaning of politicalness behind reggae music and I think that's why it felt really flat because it's kind of like oh here's this sound I'm just going to use it and not implement it in the way it's meant to be there because mm. reggae is very political charged music if you ever listen to anything like Bob Marley and stuff like that and it's he strips all of that out of it to do pop songs with a reggae feel but then that's always been Bowie's trying to follow the trend of the time in a way to do something how it fits him alright so let's move on to Never Let Me Down so obviously, tonight was a big failure in terms of Bowie. Like that must have crushed a bit. And that being the first album of his really since the self-titled debut, which didn't hit the acclaim that he had. So then he he went back and obviously recorded "Never Let Me Down," which is a huge wall of sound. Obviously, not the wall of sound, but wall of sound '80s pop album. It's full it, it, on. It felt like Bowie does Duran Duran. Is the way I describe this record. And. He hated this record, apparently. He did not like this record. Well, wasn't it meant to be a theatrical tour? The Glass Spiders, yeah. yeah. I, for a long time, avoided Tonight and this this album. Being, I'd gotten into his albums, and I'd, I'd maybe gone to the snobbier side of it, of kind of like, this is the classic period, this is what you need to know about the boat, about Bowie, and, you know, anything after Let's Dance, really, it's not... Well done, Keith. It's not, it's not as... It's, Keith dropped the mic. Uh, it's not as good as it could, it, as he was, basically. So I took that almost snobbish view of colour. This stuff is never going to be as good as that stuff. Okay, it's fair to say that that stuff, the late stuff, isn't as good as some of the late stuff. But then when you actually think, hang on a minute, I want to listen to some more Bowie, I want to see what else he did... Then this album actually, I think, holds up. Actually, I, I, I enjoy it. There's moments where I cringe at it because there's some horribly 80s pop choices on there which should have been avoided. There's a Mickey Rourke rap on it, which shouldn't have happened. And again, there's lots of Iggy Pop's involvement, which I don't think has been a good collaboration between the two of them. It's, it's, it's an album I like. I like one side a lot more than the other side. Uh... Because Time Will Crawl is a great, great song. has a great, great video where David is pulling together all of those theatrical things. It's a, uh, If you've not seen it, it's a music video where he dances with guys that uh, were doing like La La Human Steps. It's a very physical, very, very um, powerful piece of, of filmmaking. But I kind of like Day In, Day Out and Never Let Me Down and Zeros that are on the first side. I'm not a big fan of the second side. But that first album, that first side's really... Great. I kind of love that slightly rawer, kind of slightly angry vocal um, performance that he's putting in. It's a little bit more kind of like um, punchy and not as kind of um, you know poppy as it is. It's a little bit more kind of in your face, which I quite like. There's some interesting stuff on there as well because the track Glass Spiders almost feels like what he was doing with Earth, like a prelude to Earthling in 1987. Like, it almost feels like an early, rough around the edges drum and bass feel to that song. So, there's some interesting ideas in there, hidden under this 80s horrible sheen. I think it's that 
he tried to be anti-authoritarian, but with that eighties poppy sheen, as you said, I think it's like that Duran Duran, that kind of oversynthesized. Not there's not actual much instrumentals in it. It's all feels like synthesizers and electronic drums, and it's basically even though he's playing instruments for the first time for a long time in this, you don't actually know it's David Bowie playing instruments. There's no actual feel of instruments in it. It's just synth, 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 with David Bowie singing quite angrily over the top of it. I think it's a product of its time, though. It's a very 80s album. Because if you listen to the content mm. of what he's singing about in those albums, there is the kind of like post-nuclear um, threat. There's the, the, there's the kind of rise of the AIDS ec- epidemic and stuff. So I think it's timely in itself so I think at the time it was released because I think around the outside of this we'd got him doing stuff with Pat Metheny and the kind of uh, When the Wind Blows for mm. the movie of the same name so I think it's um, it's of its time and I think dis- dissociated from what was happening can sound weird in, in, in modern it's not as timeless as some of the other stuff that he's done which has which has been character driven rather than perhaps this one's driven by is it a, a reaction to what's happening in the real world say it's a reaction album it's not an evolution of his music it's a mm. reaction to current affairs rather than actually focusing on his music and taking that forward mm. I feel like I feel like there is a whole variety element to it I mean look at the cover it's like everything's been chucked onto that cover and it almost felt like everything was chucked into the music now what's interesting though is that Bowie, before he died, commissioned a remix of this album of some guy, uh, I can't, don't know his name, who worked, he worked with him produced some of his stuff. Um, not a famous producer, but he commissioned him to basically almost strip back the tracks and make them more sound like a rock album. So he took the, like, yeah. the 80s element to it. Yeah. And, and basically stuck it, took it out, yeah. I listened to both versions, and while some of these reversions worked, I felt wrong listening to it. I didn't feel like it was appropriate because that's not how it was intended to be. And it's, almost, it's not like... It's re- is it revisioning history, basically? Is that, that yeah, I mean, it's like how you mentioned the track Sewer or in a season of crime earlier where he did the, uh, the the version of The Next Day, which was like the jazzy version of the Miriam Schneider Orchestra, which I think is superb because I'm a huge jazz fan. But there's the then there's the more kind of like electronic jazz version on the record. So it's like he re, he revisited that himself, maybe saw the flaws with what he originally did and fixed it potentially. But is this somebody else fixing this album? So I don't feel it's true to the original work. So I've gone back and listened to the original more. I've actually fallen for it more, even though it's flawed. But there's some real great stuff in there. I mean, it it sold quite well, except in the US, I think. It- wasn't it top ten in most of Europe? It still received terrible, terrible reviews. Yeah. But I think the thing for me that that because I'm one of the few that like Tim Machine. Okay. And Tim Machine. Tim Machine is an extension of what he was doing a little bit on this. That slightly rawer rock kind of uh, kind of stripped, not stripped down, but just more in your face kind of um, sound that he was doing. And I really like that first Tim Machine album. That's kind of there's a lot of interesting stuff going on that. I feel, I feel like he had to do that though to get back to finding Bowie because I mean like, yeah, I, really I was going to say these three albums it feels like Let's Dance is him starting to lose himself versus the pop version of him and the other two albums are him trying to come back out and find himself again. Well, I mean, I feel I know I think I, I upon on listening and actually taking some time on these records I actually really enjoyed them. 
And I think that, like, you have to overlook the product of the, it being the 80s. Like, I love Duran Duran, but sometimes you have to look past their stuff that's sounding horribly cheesy in the 80s sometimes to actually appreciate the, the brilliance of the music. And I think Rio as an album works as a whole piece. And I think these work as whole piece albums. We don't get that in the 80s. You don't get these albums in the 80s that were, like, meant to be whole piece of work. They were, like, here's a few singles and some odd songs we've had some time to record in the studio. You don't get that vibe in the 80s as much as you did in the 70s or the 90s or the noughties. People didn't make albums in the 80s, they made singles that had... Yeah. But Bowie seemed to have made albums here, you know, there still was that intention to make a solid record. I think, if you look at his personal life, he'd got over the the issues around sexuality and all that kind of thing, and and just mentioned his period in Berlin, which was a really dark period in Bowie's life. The 80s was where he took more of a political view, and that's where he became really strongly anti-fascist, anti-racist, and that, I think... He's trying to tell that through his music, but he doesn't know how to. I think he's trying to deal with political subjects that he feels out of his depth with on these three on these three albums. I mean, I mean, if you look at the video for Let's Dance, that's a really strong political message that he mm. put into that video with the whole Aboriginal girl going through that whole thing at the time because Australia was not a pleasant time at the time he was recording this record if you were not a white person. I think everybody would agree with that. And I think that's the him trying to then start to politicise his music which runs through all three of his albums and it still runs through his albums in later but I think the message is really blunt in the first in these three albums and I think it's a really blunt sledgehammer where he's trying to say this is wrong and it just doesn't work Okay, I've got an interesting spin on this though before we wrap up our final thoughts so these albums were been kicking around for years you know and obviously everybody loves Bowie in a way and they've all got their favourite period favourite records of his but these have never really come up and they've kind of almost like shuffled onto the carpet however since Bowie has died is it fair to say that we'll look back at them more nostalgically and fondly and appreciate them more even though we were trying to the point of this feature is are we, did we undervalue them at the time but is it fair to say that we're saying this and um, we undervalued them at the time? Because knowing that he's passed on now and the limited music, new music we will get from this fantastic artist, that we are now grasping hold of anything he put out there that maybe we didn't appreciate at the time and maybe it's not that strong, but we'll find a new value or a new appreciation for it because we know we're not going to get anything else. I think this is a problem when you go back and review any artist who's passed, or passed away's catalogue. Mm. Because it's always, you're never going to get their interpretation of it anymore. As you said, Bowie went back and reworked some stuff and he's commissioned other people to rework his stuff. But you're never going to get that that feel of it anymore. You can't have a journalist go and ask him, what did you think of Let's Dance? Looking back at it now, is there anything you would have changed on Let's Dance? Or is there anything you would have changed on Tonight? Or anything you would have changed on Modern Love? Us interpreting his work even if it's not his greatest work, is always going to be a very tricky thing to do because it's kind of... Everybody will take their own personal view of what they think David Bowie is. Same with any artist with a lot of respect. They will take their own personal view and what they think Bowie means to them into the listen of any kind of album. Keith, what do you think? It's a little bit trickier for me because I was around when these records were first released. Mm -hmm. So they're tied a little bit more closely to my teenage years because I was a teenager at the time. So something like Let's Dance, the summer of, of that is tied very closely to what I was doing. Stuff that was happening on Tonight 
again, a couple of those songs are very closely tied to stuff that was happening to me. And um, Never Let Me Down is, is, a, is an album that I adore to this day for certain tracks. There's, those, there's tracks off that album that I just think are amazing pieces of work that I will listen to again and again and again because there's just something in them that throws me back to being 18, 19 or whatever it is. So I think for me they're a little bit easier to forgive any missteps because at the time it was this is this song means something it does something for me all right wrapping this up then did we did did were these to these were these records undervalued and unappreciated have they been undervalued and unappreciated and are they worth a revisit as part of the bigger aspect of Bowie's back home, did they did they show another side to an artist who kept on changing and continue to change and adapt after this? Are they strong representations, even though they're not great? Are they are they now upon listening to them? Are they reasonably enjoyable pieces of Bowie's work? Let's I, say let's say three star records. Right, I would say they are representations of David Bowie's political self. I would not say they're a representation of David Bowie's artist self. I feel that that was where he was in the 80s. I feel like he was led by a bit by commercial success. So he, he, and he wanted the fame a little bit maybe here and he wanted the success and the big tours and the sellout crowd so he could perform all his old stuff. So he needed the records to support those tours and needs to produce the music to get the people in to the stadiums in the first place but if in doing that I think he lost a bit of what was David Bowie and what was unique under under the 80s sheen but I think that I think it's easy to forgive these records if you look past some of the crap guitar solos and saxophone solos and Mickey Rourke on them and literally find some real, real good stuff on these records there's, there's you know between Let's Dance is great, but between the other two records, there's one really solid, decent album between the two of oh, them. Oh, there's some, yeah, there's some absolute cla- great tracks on Tonight and Never Let Me Down. If you yeah. squeeze, squeeze some of the other ones out. And if you think of some of the other records that were being released at the same time mm. in the 80s, this still stands head and shoulders above some of the dross that was being pumped out into the mainstream music business. It's never going to be his most famous works, is it? Everybody's going to remember the Ziggy Stardust era. Yeah, of course. And it's always going to be stuff like that and possibly Black Star now, even though it's lost that kind of... When it was released, it was so much around him passing away and that was the, the entire focus of it. I still think it's a fantastic album. I don't think his 80s works will ever be regarded into the top echelons of David Bowie's work. As you said, some tracks off those albums are definitely contenders for great Bowie songs if we were doing a compilation album but I don't ever think that these albums will ever get a large amount of recognition I think I think if you're a best of lover well the best of if you really want to know more about Bowie and you want to have, have a whole aspect of Bowie's career you want to you want to, you want a taste of everything he did yeah give him a get, listen get stuck in I mean, the entire back catalogue's on Spotify now, so you've got no excuse. That is, and these reissues are available now in HMV, which has been saved, by the way. Hey! <laughs> who am I? Who, 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 who? Tell me who I am for five, four, three, two, one points. It's back. Probably not by popular demand, because we only played it one week ago on the live Geeky Brummy quiz. Um, I thought we'd do another round of the Who Am I game because I enjoyed writing it and I got some more. So, um, who have I got as my. Uh, so, basically, the rules of the game 
as before, is you have five clues about a person. These some these are going to be fictional and non-fictional people this week. All right. Is there any theme or is it? No, general? there's no theme. No, it's the stupid issue I thought of. Um, and then you buzz in at the point where you think you know the answer to try and get that many points. Okay. And then I'll tell the points at the end, and the winner gets a prize today. Ooh. There is a prize. So who is it are the prize that we gave you at the quiz? Yeah. <laughs> who, who have I got today? As contestant number one is that sexy man with glasses. <laughs> this is me, Keith, and I sound like this. Contestant number two. I'm also a slightly less sexy man with glasses, <laughs> but I'm Ryan Parrish, and I go. And we have a third guest in the house now. It's Mrs. Geeky Bummy, and I sound like this. All right, question number person one. Question number person one. Yeah, question number person one. This person is a real life person. Okay. For five points, I play guitar. No takers. No. Four points. I recorded a song for a film with Michael Douglas as a teacher. Sorry, as an author. And a teacher. Nope. Three point question. Okay. I stand in an alley with signs. Ryan's gone in. Keith and Viv, question number two, two pointer. You going for it? Viv's in. You're all in for three points. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'll read out the other two clues at this point, and I will tell you and see if you... Maybe, you can't shout it out, but I'll ask you in a minute. Oh, shouldn't you ask us first, then read them out, because otherwise we're going to get all five clues. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. All right. Yeah, good point. All right. Ryan, you were first to buzz in. Who do you think it is? Bob Dylan. Keith? <laughs> I was going to say David Bowie, for some reason. Viv? Bob Dylan. Ryan and Viv, you both get three points on that round. It was. Keith? I did my time. The other two clues were I have curly hair and I famously went electric. Alright. I'd have got it with one. <laughs> Alright, number two. It's a character. Okay. So a fictional person. Uh, fictional, par- fictional person, yeah. Not character. real. Not real, yeah. Okay. <laughs> For five points. I have a fondness for pink. That's not very helpful. Want the four-pointer? That's very helpful, actually. I enjoy driving. Keith's got it in. Ryan and Viv, next clue. Yep. I have an admirer called Peter. Not going for it? Two-pointer. Yeah. I have won many races. Right, we're all in. Keith, you were first to buzz. Who do you think it is? Penelope Pitstop. Ryan and Viv? Also Penelope Pitstop. And Penelope Pitstop. Keith, you got the, uh, you got the four points on that, so you're, uh, you're catching up a bit. And Ryan and Viv... You both got a two points on that question. I don't think Lady Penelope started off with I like to drive. It was like, well, it's not yeah. Barker. The final clue was, I have a car like a cat. See, pink was a big clue there. Uh, right, okay, it's another character. 
Right, for five points. I like cowboys and Indians. No. Alright, four points. I always shout when I talk. Oh, tricky. Alright, three point question. I came in second place. No takers? No. Alright, two point question. You could say I have four eyes. Actually, that's wrong, really. You could say you could, <laughs> you could say I have well. you could say I have square eyes. It'd make more sense. Oh no, this is. Really Do you want to hear me? Ryan's gone in. All right. Do you want the final clue? Yeah. My favourite hobby is also my surname. I know you've stumped me on this one, guy. No. You're you both not know. putting answers in. No. No. Ryan. Mike TV. It was Mike TV. <laughs> wow, good one, Ryan. Okay. Yeah. Which makes more sense than having The Cowboys and Indians threw me off until I replayed the entire scene back in my head. Yeah, that was Mike TV from Charlie Chocolate Factory. Alright, this is a real person. Five pointer. I'm a charismatic leader. Why, thank you, guy. Can I have the question? <laughs> Keith's gone in. I'm gonna go in. Alright. Brave Keith on that. It's mm -hmm. quite vague. Alright. Want the next one? Mm -hmm. I fancied myself a musician. So they didn't fancy a musician, they fancied themselves to be a musician. This is a fake person, is it? No, it's a real, real person. real person. And. Vince's gone in. Well, I'm gonna be another. I'm big on family. You've all gone in. Keith, for five points, who do you think it is? See, no, when I, when I, when I buzzed in, <laughs> I was, I was going to say Bill Clinton. Oh, I was going to, I said the same thing. <laughs> so you both go with Bill Clinton? Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure whether I'm right now. Ryan? I was going to go for Michael Jackson's dad. Well, you're all wrong. You're going to say it's Barack Obama? Do you want the final two clues to see okay. if you can work out? Okay. You're getting nobody to three points for this, though. You're just, uh, zero, zero. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Ryan's winning. All right. So the other clue, number clue, clue number two was I was I was prolific in the late sixties. Manson, Charles Manson. People killed because I asked them to. Charles Manson. <laughs> Should have okay. stayed out for one more clue. Okay. All right. Number number five. I like to sing songs. It's a character. the question now, guys. <laughs> I like to sing songs. I'm not going to go for it. Anybody going for it? Alright. <laughs> I often come across as blunt and rude. <laughs> Again, this is, guys. This is the <laughs> Why is he describing himself? <laughs> Next one. I make friends with street workers. No takers? No. This is a fictional person. Yeah, it's a fictional person, yeah. Okay, damn. Next one. If you don't get it from this one, then don't be surprised. <laughs> I have an umbrella. Why? 
Wow. Wow. The, the dumbfounded faces in this room. I'm going to go for a guess. Ryan's gone in on two uh, points. Right, Keith and Viv, do you want the final one? Yeah, go on. Alright, my bag is big. Viv's gone in. Alright, Ryan, you win first. Who do you think it is? Mary Poppins. Viv, Keith? Mary Poppins. Yeah, Mary Poppins. Ryan, uh, Ryan, you got the two points there. You do, he's running away with it, sir. So, right, final one then. I wear glasses. Is this oh, a real or fictional, fictional, yeah. fictional person? <laughs> it's not you, Keith. Uh, okay. I'm not going to go for it at five points. I wear glasses. Right, next one. My parents are divorced. <laughs> next one? Yep. I fancy my friend's sister. He's <laughs> torturing us here. Next one. I am a geeky sidekick. One point question coming up now. I know who it is, but I don't know the name. One, one point? You're going to all get it now. My hair is blue. Wow. Get, get, run me those down again. I wear glasses. My parents are divorced. I can't see my friend's I got it. Sister. I got it. I got I it. I know who it is. My hair is blue. I got it. No idea. Keith. It's well, Millhouse. It is Millhouse Van Houten. Oh, of course. <laughs> right, let me just tell all that the points hard. in. That was a really hard one. Right, so point score here is... Sorry. Drum roll. In joint last place. <laughs> Is Viv and Keith both no losers here. And Ryan, you have won with an astonishing nine points. Ooh, solid. So you win today's prize, which is a copy of That's Life magazine. And who's on the cover? Um, £7,339 in puzzles and prizes. What I've, got to read, what I've got to read out is this brilliant, brilliant headline. My fella was banged up for banging another woman. Uh, the subtitle makes it even better. Weatherspoon's romp was so wrong. Nice. That's why I bought it. <laughs> Hubby dumped me at a wedding for a real pig. Wait till you see the selfish swine. Hospital gave me twins that weren't mine, but nobody told me for 17 years. <laughs> Parents' nightmare. I was forced to watch my girl being abused. They, they go all over well, the place. Well, that one's a barrel of laughs. Oh, yeah. they, they jump all over the place. Picture of the week, I went to a friend's hen weekend, and this is all of us on a cold, muddy assault course. Is it the pictures of the two phalli? <laughs> no. It was great fun. I was the oldest one there. My head still thinks I'm 25, but my body disagrees. My poor knees. Karen Hill, 57, from Torquay in Devon. <laughs> we do have an E. Picture of a doggo. Little pooch. I can't even see that. It's, well, if we turn to page 32, we might get a better look. Hogging the limelight. Basically, somebody took the pig, their pig to their wedding. Right, okay. That, that's what the swine story was about. Yes. Right, okay. That's completely misleading. Yes. I'm beginning to get a feel. Matilda's beauty Q&A. Okay. Who's Matilda? Uh, Matilda is a woman with bangs and a ponytail. Not nice. Mystic, is that Mystic Meg? No. She's fantastic. Uh, Aunt Mendaft. Yes. Shall we do some of the Aunt Mendaft stories quickly? What's the Aunt, what's Aunt Mendaft? We pay £25 for all stories and pictures featured. Is there one in there about some guy banging his foot up from leaping away from a spider? <laughs> no. 
Harley Davids Yum. My fiance Gareth couldn't resist getting a snap on this Harley Davidson. I don't know what the fuss is all about. The only thing revving my motor in this photo is my fun is my hunky fella. That's Stacy Gibson from Wordsley. Nice. Oh, local story. <laughs> Here's a cheeky snap of my fiance Pietra at a wedding we attended recently. He loves acting daft, which is one of the many reasons I adore him. He makes me laugh every day, says Jill Barlow from Eastbourne in East Sussex. Right, let's let's find the uh, let's find the Agony Art page in here. There's got to be one, right? Come on, mum's the word. Oh, come if on. If I win seven thousand three hundred thirty-seven pounds in prizes, I'm not sharing. By the way, that's fine. I felt that I acquitted myself well. Leaflet for Keithers. Oh, is this something up for over fifties? <laughs> oh, yeah. If you can't pay for your funeral, who will? Who's will? I don't know. It's apparently he's, he's, paying for, he's paying for my funeral, apparently. They can't spell promise either on the advert. Oh, make up. Oh, no, is that because no. it's promise life? Well, you see, I'm looking into the legalities of being set afire on a boat at sea. Apparently, it's not. You can't do it. Not anymore. You could use it. No, well, I was looking forward to Well, I've got you to. Can, you can get cremated and then do it. No, that's not the point. I want people to try and fire arrows at my boat while they're. Um, while it's, well, it's sailing away. Because I, I want it to be. A kind of Viking funeral or blasted well, into the if sun. If you went to international waters, that would, they, you can get buried at sea. That's going to cost a fortune to get people to. Well, you go to <laughs> Sealand, don't you? <laughs> There's an article called Perfect Pork. <laughs> Just guide to find that. <laughs> Oh, there's no agony art page. Can I, have my, can I have my prize back, please? Um, guy, guy, he's got to enter all the competitions to win his £2,337. Thank you very much. Aren't men daft? Oh, that's that's what I was just reading. We have to ask Laura to send in a, a photo of Guy and saying, Oh, my fella, he hurt his foot while he tried to rescue no, a spider. No, just send a picture of the letter in. My boyfriend <laughs> went to hospital for his dodgy accent ankle. Oh no! Let's what see what the description is. Ha ha ha! Do you want like Miss, a... Miss Laura from Selly <laughs> Selly Park, West Midlands? Right, should we let's let's wrap up this show with some star signs, shall we? With yes. uh, Josephine, Keith, what's your star sign? I am Aquarius. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> Keith, with life moving fast, you could soon turn into a bit of a thrill seeker. Don't be harsh on those trying to keep up with you. An important relationship flourishes, flourishes when you give it time, but you'll have to slow things down, slow things right down. Oh my I God, think it's about not me. the right person to me. It's about me and you. No, I think that I'm, I'm the furthest away from a thrill seeker you could get. <laughs> I think she's a little bit off on that prediction. All right, go on. Right, what's Josephine got to say about you? I am a Gemini. Right. If your mind has been going round in circles, you should find it easier to focus this week. The key to winning another's heart is to see life from their perspective. One for Viv there, then. Yeah. Uh, when you when you get on top of on to, when you get onto a subject you both enjoy, there's no stopping you. Wow. Did you, cool. you almost said once you get on top of it. <laughs> That's well, he did, buy, he, did, there. he did buy a Valentine's Day card with a song in it, you know, the, the like surefire way. <laughs> yeah. Like an energizer bunny there. Alright. Lady Parish, your birthday, please. Cancer. 
your effort, the effort to get over your shyness and indulge in a moment of passion will spice <laughs> <laughs> Money needs attention, but with a little effort you can get yourself back on track. It may be a little, maybe a little stressful, but calmness makes you a winner. I mean, I feel like you went got a bit through the ringer there, to be fair. Guy, <laughs> what's your star sign? I don't know what's October. I'm not saying my birthday. No. <laughs> Say your birthday. Let me, let me, let me have a look at what time it is. Is it before or after the 23rd of October? It's before. So you are a Libra. You are the scales of justice. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was born in the wrong star, so yeah, definitely. <laughs> As a romantic soul, so definitely not you. Well, yeah, you know, you know, you know. You thrive when love feels fabulous. Well, love feels fabulous when Keith's around. But right now, you're aware that some change is necessary. Yeah, because he's not—he's not with me. He's not with me. So start with a heart to heart. He's in Life. my house. I'll just keep him here afterwards. Life really is what you make it. You just need to now know what you want to achieve. I know what I want to achieve. It's sat on my sofa. Is it just me, or has she just like ripped off a load of eighties pop songs <laughs> for her kind of um, predictions? Right. But, yeah, life's what you make it. I just want to talk about the article title that's on the next page along from the star sign. Should widows wait to date? <laughs> oh, it's got two opposing views. Yes. One says yes, another says no. One is Anne Johnson, 59, from Runcorn. And the other one is Emma Louise Nutting, 32, from Will and All. Wow. <laughs> oh, someone's from Runcorn. <laughs> Runcorn versus Will and All in this talking point debate. A woman recently spoke into the tabloid saying she's disowned by her friends and family for dating just eight weeks after her husband's death. I mean, that's quite soon, right? That's a bit... That, that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, maybe you were dating him, but you weren't. How long were they married? Two, it doesn't. I'm not going into the article, it's too in-depth. Wow. But you know, I, I... We shall finish on the picture of the dog captioned with Life seemed perfect. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Brummer Show this week. Keith, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me blocking Guy Halford on Twitter at hardluck underscore hotel. Block me all you like, bitch. You ain't leaving this house. <laughs> and everywhere else without the underscore. If you need to find Keith Bloomfield... <laughs> <laughs> locked, in a, locked in a cellar in Sally Park. <laughs> Guy, where can we find you online? Trolling other fellow film shows. What's the Instagram we Vinyl Guy H. Special guest Vivian Parrish, where can we find you online? I'm at uh, Viv Yao on Twitter and on Instagram, Vivi Yao72. And also, if you've got any geeky goings on, um, send them in and we'll put them on Twitter. You can find me. And you can find you at that dot com place drawing some knobs on some push hours. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm going to be winning £200 in this spot the difference with a picture of Olivia Coleman dressed as Hyacinth, okay? Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why are these people taking pictures of her like she's like in a museum? I love it. She's got a camera as well at this. <laughs> she looks so happy as well in that picture. Like. <laughs> She just had the Oscar nomination, that's what it is. It's a spot the difference where you can win £200. But she's dressed like Hyacinth Bouquet. You're dressed like Richard from Keeping Up Appearances. You can find us all at Geeky Remy, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, on YouTube, 
at the Geeky Brummy channel. Go and give it a search. And you can find us all at geekybrummy.com. And keep, keep sending messages to Bob the Pet Ferret all week. All, every day, all week, tell him to get better. Just inundate his Twitter and tell him to get better. Just yes. keep sending him get well soon messages. Get well soon, Lee. We'll keep sending you messages and wish him get well soon. We hope you do feel better soon, Lee. But make sure you know that you want him to get well soon as well. But for now... Sorry, good. Lee. <laughs> but for now, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. <coughs> Mike TV's got four eyes. How much did you pay for this magazine? Epilogue. You keep unplugging my computer. You've done it twice now while we're trying to back up the show. Right, Ryan's got his computer, right, where, like, a, a normal person would think, oh, he's bought an extension lead round to my house, so if I unplug it and give it back to him, he can take that back of him. And then I did, and it literally is like I'd set off, like, a nuke. Because Ryan went into panic mode and worried we'd lost the whole show which we haven't because you lovely listeners have listened to it. And then what happened, Ryan? <laughs> after, after you got back on the computer, managed to save the show, what, what did I do next? You unplugged it again. As a health and safety hazard, I tripped over yes, the cable. a health and safety hazard. That is, that is right. Guy Alford is a health and safety hazard. People. Well, your cables should not be causing trip hazards on my living room floor. You put it, the cable there. I hope you've enjoyed the show, which nearly cost me my life. Thanks, thanks, listeners. Bye.